0: Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence or if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And this is from the English Standard Version. This is one of my favorite scriptures of all time. Um, And also this happens to be the foundation of what we're going to be discussing today, a very powerful book by my special guest, Mr. Tony Newberry, and the title of the book is um, The 4-8 Principle. So welcome to the Time with Fred podcast. This is a podcast that challenges paradigms and mindsets that hold us back. It's timely, it's insightful, it's motivating, it's empowering. It's Time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. My special guest today is Tommy Newberry. Tommy is a Wall Street Journal and New York Times bestselling author. He is the founder of the One Person Club and head coach of Tommy Newberry Coaching. These organizations are dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and their families maximize their God-given potential. Since 1991, Tommy has equipped business leaders in more than 30 different industries to work less, earn more, and create greater significance with the right accomplishments. Tommy is the author of seven books, including the top three New York Times bestseller books, the 4A Principle and the motivational classic, Success is Not an Accident, both of which have been translated into multiple languages. Tommy, welcome to the Time with Fred podcast today.
1: Fred, good to be
0: with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Tell me when I when I heard about the four I principle. I think the title of that book was so captivating that I I really wanted to to dig in just to see, um, or learn about some of the principles that he write about. Because as we mentioned earlier, this is one of my my favorite uh, scriptures in the Bible, and it's so powerful because it leads the reader down a path of being intentional, right, about some of the things that we focus uh, our attention on. So. Uh, if I may ask you, what what led you to write this book, the four-week principle?
1: Well, it's a it's a it's a very powerful message packed into just a few words. But I, I I was speaking with somebody else earlier today about you know what stimulated me to write the book, and and it kind of goes way back in that my grandmother on my mom's side shared with me Philippians 4.8 when I was 13 or 14 years old. And the way she shared it with me was on a bookmark that I put in my Bible. And uh, I kept it with me for the next few years and through college. And then I got into coaching in my mid-20s. And I opened up this Bible that was not the one I was mainly using, but it was my old Bible. And I found this Bible, verse, and I thought, oh, wow. I had kind of forgotten about this verse and the more and more that I coached people it just kind of jumped out to me that this is a big blind spot with a lot of people who are not getting as much joy and satisfaction out of life and and if you as you know if you if there's a mindset problem it creates problems everywhere in your life. So I was coaching and then I was specifically teaching a class with couples and I thought to myself, you know what, is there any more relevant area for Philippians four eight than in marriage? And so we started doing these retreats and then that kind of reaffirmed to me that wow, you know, a lot of husbands and a lot of wives focus on the stuff that's not lovely, pure, true, excellent, or worthy of praise. Instead, they focus on deficiencies and shortcomings and flaws and things that aren't right. So around 2005 or six, I thought, you know what? I think I've got to get this message out because it's so simple, Um, it's so succinct, but it's so powerful and and so I, I have to blame this book on my grandmother. That's ultimately what drove me to write it. And, you know, a lot of clients, I, I tested the material with clients for years and years and years. And I was shocked, honestly, at how simple it was, but how impactful it was.
0: It's interesting to hear how you know, or whether it's a parent or, or a grandparent or a friend or, 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 someone leaves a legacy, right? That, that, that impacts our lives. I remember growing up, I was looking through my late grandfather's, um, bookshelf and I happened to find Norman Vincent Peale's book, The Power of Positive Thinking. And sure. that book just radicalized my, my, my entire life and set me down this path, um, of, of personal development. But, as a, as a, it's interesting to hear you say that, Tommy, that your, you know, this Bible verse that your uh, grandmother left you, you know, created, created this much significance, right? Not only in your life, but yeah. in other yeah. as well.
1: Well, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's um, such a ripple effect, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's throughout our whole lives. And so when I think of the words of it, you know, not everybody is familiar with it, but you read off the words and, you know, it, if we put it into simple, everyday modern terms, we could say, focus on the good stuff.
0: Yes.
1: You know, focus on the good stuff. Um, but it means so much more. And I found that, you know, the author of these words, you know, through God, mm-hmm. the author of these words was the Apostle Paul. Yeah. And when he wrote these words, he was not having a beautiful day, mm-hmm. he was in prison. Mm-hmm. He was chained, he was under guard, and according to most scholars, he was knee-deep or waist-deep in sewage. Mm. And yet, his his gaze, his mindset was upward, and it was, okay, even in the midst of this junk, I'm going to put my mind toward joy, Mm. finally, brothers and sisters, whatever, Mm. is lovely, pure, true, which is a cool thing because I was teaching this at a school in Connecticut a few years ago, and they all made t-shirts for me before I got there, and they, they had the phrase that a lot of teenagers say, whatever. Mm. Um, in, in fact, a lot of grown-ups, unfortunately, say that today, whatever, whatever, but it was that word art. So in the word whatever, mm. they... Um, they had Philippians 4, 8 all the way through it. Mm. And it was pretty cool. Mm. And I think that's an awesome thing because it's whatever. It's like you've got to search for it. Mm. That, that's, that was Paul's real directive, I believe, is he saying, look, Tommy. So I love to put the Bible in personal terms. Yeah. Going, Tommy, yeah. You know, Tommy, you're not automatically positive. Mm. You've got to work at it. Mm let me give you the instructions focus on what's lovely pure truth and and he goes but you're you're not hopelessly negative either so every day every moment you've got to decide am i going to focus on what i'm grateful for or what i'm irritated about am i going to go toward gratitude or toward grievance and every moment we've got to make that choice and the great thing about philippians 4 8 is each moment's a new beginning. I mean, with God, each moment's a new beginning, which means if you, if you slip or you get off track, no big deal.
0: Yeah.
1: Just remember, each moment's a new beginning, and then go back to Philippians 4, eight as your compass for your thought life. That's really what it is, a north
0: star yeah. for your thought life. Yeah. The true north. And it's interesting that you mentioned, and I thank you for adding that, that backdrop right of, of what Paul is, because oftentimes, we read things like this and we automatically assume that whoever is writing it or whoever is speaking these words must be in a good place, right? Often as as, as speakers and, and writers and, and life coaches, um, yeah. you know, you you go out there and, and people assume that because you're the bearer, right? Or, or you're the deliverer of this news that everything must be great. Oftentimes I think a lot of people miss out on the fact that these things come from very painful experiences in life. So it's it's great to add that Paul who wrote these words was not was not in a great place, right? And, and we can liken it to what we're experiencing right now in our, in the world, really, in terms of you know what's happening in twenty twenty with COVID, yeah. with with all of this mess that we're experiencing. Yeah. And here we are, we're seeing, in spite of all that, right? The whatever's in life, whatever that means, choose to focus, and it, it's 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 such a powerful thing. And and I think it it, it adds more 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 substance, right, to the message that mm-hmm. look. It's not that. You got to be in a good place or, or in a great place in life where everything is rosy even in the painful places in life you have to choose on some of the you know the things that are great worthy you know yeah uh, well that's where it's like
1: actually more important yeah. right because yeah. if you're in the rosy time of life <laughs> you know if it's not 2020 yeah. um, then it's much easier yeah. so what's the virtue in being positive yeah. When everything is falling your way and, and, and you're, all the circumstances are in your favor. So the real virtue is is focusing on the good stuff in the midst of the bad stuff. Yeah. But honestly, anybody that's lived any length of time knows that every day is good and bad. Yeah. I mean, every relationship is yeah. good and bad. Yeah. You know, every leader is good and bad. Yeah. I mean, it's just the country's good and bad. Yeah. Today's good and bad. You know, it's just there but what we focus on will determine what we feel. And if we dissect it one more time, it's kinda so if you look at the whatever, it's kinda like whatever, but then it goes down further and says, if there is anything worthy of praise. I mean any unless that's a typo. (laughs) I don't think it's a typo, Fred. But it's not. If there's anything worthy of praise, and so I like putting that into simple math, which is, if there's a hundred things that are broken, but one thing is working, mm. this verse says, if anything mm. Focus is on working. that one thing. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean we don't try to fix the other right. things. Right. That just means we don't let those broken things govern our mindset, because there's a good argument There's a good argument that life is awesome right now. And there's a good argument that life stinks right now. They're both kind of true. Yeah,
0: Yeah. it's all all a matter of perspective, right? What you focus on. And I love, you did a powerful illustration with this in one of your coaching videos, Tommy. You had a a jar of of golf balls, you know, the white ball, the red ball, and the pink ball. And we're going to take it away, but... Can you explain the principle behind that? Just that illustration, because it was uh, was such a powerful concept. You may not have a golf ball. I I used
1: it in a a, a live cast yesterday, and I was seeing if it was anywhere near the set we have here. But yeah, so um, white golf balls, uh, red golf balls, and pink golf balls. And they're in a large jar. And so if you just visualize this, you see that there's – A lot of white, and the white stands for the good things in life, the things that you're looking forward to, your blessings from your childhood, the things you're grateful for now, your strengths, your victories, everything that you're glad you have and you hope you don't wake up tomorrow without. That's the white golf balls, people that love you, okay? Those kinds of things. The red, we all have red golf balls too. The red golf balls are the mistakes we've made, uh the bad memories that we have the weaknesses the things that didn't work out the way we wanted our setbacks our failures our struggles um they are the people maybe that we don't like or we don't get along with uh, they are the things that we're dreading and like this the year you know some people are dreading things and so those are red golf balls and we all have them not just globally or nationally, we all have red golf balls in our own house. And they may not be huge, but they may just be golf balls. So then we have pink ones. So we'll stick with the red and the white for a second. So the red and the white are the good and the bad. Um, Every single day, we've got this jar of golf balls, but our emotional experience of the day is gonna be dependent upon whether we focus on the red golf balls. If if we focus on the red golf balls, we're gonna lose our joy. And so two people living the exact same life, one can be joyful and the other one can be bent out of shape. Mm. What's the difference? The one who's bent out of shape, the one who's angry and irritated and frustrated, they are paying excessive attention to their disappointments and dissatisfactions. Mm. The other person has disappointments and dissatisfactions too. They're just not using all of their mental power to dwell on them because whatever you focus on grows. It's like whatever you focus on is like a magnifier. So one of the weird things that happens is when we spend too much time focusing on the red golf balls, even some of the white golf balls start to take on the shade of pink. Wow. In other words, by focusing so much on what's broken, you actually taint mm. or spoil some of the things that were good. Wow. But I'll get. I'll end with the good news on this. And this was. Uh, I was in a workshop and somebody raised their hand and they said, Coach, doesn't it go the other way too? And I said, What do you mean? They said, Well, you said if you focus too much time on the red, some of the white will turn pink, but if you, if you focus so much on the white, which is what Paul wants us to do, yeah. then won't some of the red lose some of their sharpness? Won't some of the red become pink as well? And I said, you're right. You're meaning, meaning there's two different kinds of yeah. pink. Yeah. There's pink that should have been red. That's good
0: news. Yes. And then there's pink that should have been white and that's bad news. Yeah that's that, that's such a powerful concept i mean i I, I got the red and the, and the and the white but the fact that sometimes we can lose right the the i guess the substance of even the good things by focusing so much on the negative I think that's such a powerful concept yeah here's a, here's a
1: funny story Fred so when I first did that illustration about a decade ago um I had the red and the white golf balls we ordered them and I was so excited to do them on stage but Uh, one of the packages of the red golf balls was lost. And um, so all we had laying around were some pink golf balls. So my assistant stuck some two or three pink golf balls in, and I didn't notice it. So I'm there on stage, and I'm doing it and lifting it up, and then I see the pink golf balls. So I had to think, okay, how do I work this into the illustration? And it actually worked well. And now I use the, I always have the pink in there, but originally it was a, it was a goof up, um, that, that turned into,
0: um, a a net positive. Yeah. So even, even with those reds, right, you got, you got some pink out of that. Isn't that interesting? But Tommy, you hear people every now and then who would say, you know, I'm a realist. I like to see, you know, things for what they are. Life is no Pollyanna. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is what it is, but. Why is it important for us to to choose these thoughts, right? I mean, I, I hear them all the time, and I'm sure you have to. Why is it important not to see things always from, you know, the bad perspective, right? Why is it important to train our minds, to Paul's point again, to see things from a positive uh, standpoint? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. The main reason I believe that in my experience is when you... You're only you're either going to be trained one way or the other. You're going to be trained to look for what's missing and broken or you're going to be trained to look for what's abundant and beautiful and and what you're glad about. So if you get if you train yourself either deliberately, I suppose, or inadvertently, regardless, if you train yourself to focus on the negative, what happens is you start noticing more negative. So in other words, it it programs, your aware, it programs you to be more aware of the rotten stuff in the world. And there's plenty of rotten stuff in the world. The last thing we need is a, a negadar, a radar up there that points out to us the subtle negativity and everything. I mean, we're going to notice plenty of it already. So the more you focus on negative, the more you notice the negative. Yeah. But the flip side is also true. Yes. You, so if you had asked me why is it important to focus on the positive or the white golf balls because it causes your awareness of your surroundings and of the world, it, it allows you to see more of the good stuff. And then why is that important? Because you experience joy. Yes. And when you experience joy, you can be more influential in the world, I believe. Yep. Certainly, yeah. from a faith standpoint, I mean, who wants to copy the bitter person—the person who's unhappy yeah. and griping and yeah. complaining yeah. all the time? Yeah. People, people don't want that. They want the joyful person yeah. who's excited and yeah. enthusiastic.
0: Yeah, positivity is contagious, and it's interesting you mentioned that that focus thing. I was uh, talking to uh, Dr. Mark Crawford, uh, whom you know—he was uh, a previous guest on the podcast—and he was giving an illustration of you know someone who. Say you're driving a white car, a particular model and uh, and make, all of a sudden you tend to see more of those cars right on the road, right? And the, you, you you switch that, and you get into say another black car with a different make and model, and all of a sudden you start seeing more of those same cars, and, and you tend to wonder. But he, I think the argument is so sound that because you're in that particular car, you might automatically start picking out right, those same cars, it's not that there were fewer or less of those cars on the road, but because you have that car or anything really for that matter, you tend to, your mind starts to pick out and recognize some of those same patterns. And I think that could be true, right, with positive stuff or negative stuff, right? The more you focus on that negative yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. It's it's like, um, it's
1: uh, it, it happens in a lot of different areas of our life, yep. but I think so much of what we want mm. we already have yes we just shut ourselves off yeah. to it yeah and if we would just get out of our own way we mm. would see a whole new world we would become uh, the, you don't need to be perfect first of all with like practicing 4-8 but i do know that every time i read it and you're probably the same way every time we read it it reminds us of the fundamental Yep. And then at least for the next few hours, we're more in tune with the right way to yeah. think.
0: Yeah.
1: But that's, that's so powerful. And when we focus on something that we want, we start to see the paths yeah. to get it. Yeah. If, if we focus on the, the negativity, then we just see more negativity yeah. and it brings us down and we get less enjoyment out of life, yeah. so if there's something I've missed and we live multiple times, then maybe we'll get another shot at it. But as far as I know, we only get one shot at life. Yeah. and why spend it you know, confused, dazed, and frustrated? But again, I think problem solving is is a four eight activity. Mm-hmm. I think brainstorming come, trying to Uh, work on a solution to difficult issues is a good positive 4-8 thing to do but that doesn't mean that you describe and re-describe and marinate in the problem or the symptoms of the problem it means you ask questions like what if or could we do this or you you simply paint a picture of the solution or of the desired outcome even though you don't know how to get there. Yeah. Because you don't you can be positive and a realist. I always am fascinated with that objection to being positive because to me, you know, if I say today the the, the the country's in a mess right now or the world's in a mess or you're in a mess or I'm in a mess there's, we could probably prove that case. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We could probably go, see? Yeah. See? Yeah. Or if you, just, if you just assess me or evaluate me on one thing I did today or the last week, you might be accurate about that, but you've missed the big picture. Yeah. So So when you think negatively, you're inside the frame. And when you're inside the frame, you can't see the big picture yeah
0: you know james Allen wrote that book um as a as a man thinketh right and and that that that's really what it's all about but in your book powerful yeah by the way uh
1: i i got that early in life you know in my teenage years and i mean wow i reread that every year that that that's just my children have read it um and i was a little bit inspired by it because i you know, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And I was thinking, wow, that was pretty cool. One verse. Now he didn't address it as much from the scripture, but right. it's still just, it reeks of wisdom. It is. And then, um, you know, then there was the prayer of Jabez. And I remember thinking, wow, that's just one verse, a short little prayer, but a whole book was around it. and And I just kind of thought, you know, Nobody has really, de- you know. I think I think maybe just kind of thinking spontaneously. I think maybe yeah. nobody had ever done a book on Philippians four eight because it's such a hard standard. Mm. You know, you yeah. don't even hear that many messages and sermons and things on it. And yeah. I think the reason is you kind of it's risky to write a book yeah. on being positive because yeah. people
0: could call you out all the time. That's right. That's right.
1: So I think some people go. Oh, I'd rather stay away from yeah. that.
0: Yeah, yeah. But that, that's 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 why it's important, right, for us to right. uh, for us to talk about it in, in that book. In your book, you I think there's a story of your your son Tai, who uh, I think at the time had had a broken arm, right, and was focusing yeah. on all the things that he couldn't do. That was such a powerful story. Do you mind sharing that for our, for our listeners?
1: Absolutely. Um, in fact, a, a cool follow up to that I'll start with is is he now works with me full time wow. wow. here at the coaching practice and he was actually the one that was um making sure I was set up and ready to go before awesome. we went live here so that's a cool thing yeah so he was um i think 7 years old and it was his first practice of uh football and i had picked him up and uh we were about to get in the car which was parked up on the hill next to the sidewalk and he wanted to show me how he made his first tackle, and he wasn't actually gonna tackle me, but he was gonna kinda of go through the motions, and as he was going through the motions, his cleat stuck in a little groove in the sidewalk, and he fell awkwardly and landed kind of on the the, the backside of his hand, and it bent his hand and his wrist, so he broke his arm, broke his wrist, um, and, uh, it was very frustrating for a whole lot of reasons because um, that was his first practice and then they put a cast on. They say, you can't play for six weeks. So we went through the whole process of going to the minor emergency clinic and we found out it was, it was broken. He gets the cast and then he starts getting down on himself by reciting aloud, literally, all the things he can't do. Um, he can't... Uh, he won't be able to play football, he's going to miss the first six games. Uh, he can't play the video games he liked. He can't go swimming, because at the time you couldn't with the cast. And he had this list, mentally, that he was just verbalizing. And it got to be so bad that I said, hey, Ty, come down to my office. And so I, he came down to the office, he, he thought he was in trouble or something, and I said, let's make a list of everything that you can do still. So... You know, he, can, he can't he can do push-ups, but he can do crunches. Mm. Um, he can't, uh, you know, do pull-ups, but he can run. Mm. Um, he can't do some of his schoolwork, but he can do most of his schoolwork. And so he made this list of things that he could do, including he could still eat M&Ms. He could still <sighs> go over to his friend's house he could still watch movies, um, he could still uh, play army, he used to like to play army. You know, So he came up with a list and I said, that's enough. At one point I said, well that's plenty. And he goes, no, I've got a few more. Wow. Um, and then I, I think, as I recall, he goes, um, I, I asked him a question just kind of messing with him. I said, well, why don't we make a list now of all the things you can't do? And he goes, why in the world would we want to do that? And I said, exactly. Yeah. And, but we all have, by the way, we all have a broken arm. Yes. If you think of that as a metaphor, mm-hmm. we all have a broken arm. Yeah. I mean, you may, the, the, the current broken arm may heal. Yeah. You know what? Then there's going to be another broken arm. Yeah. And then another broken arm. Yeah. And so there was a point in my life where I thought you could be free of broken arms. Mm. But now I've just accepted this, probably only for the last decade. Now I realize we're always going to have a broken arm. We're always going to have a term paper that's due tomorrow. We're always going to have an issue. So if you accept that, see, that's being a realist. Yes. So if you accept that, then you go, okay, so there's always going to be problems and challenges. And do I want to be happy and joyful as I work through these challenges yeah. and problems, or do I want to be annoying and negative and unhappy as I work through these yeah. challenges? because Those are kind of the two options. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if your joy is based upon great circumstances, you're going to have a tough life.
0: Yeah. What a great story to to illustrate this point. You, you talk about the broken arm um, metaphor, which I think is really powerful. I think someone also said that you know you're 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 either in some type of situation in life in a, in a challenging situation, or you're getting out of one, or you're about to enter one. Right, you're yeah, either yeah. in one of those three spectrums, and I think oh, it's, it's yeah, always right. And that's not to say that we're we're, we're pessimistic, but I think that's where the, the the realistic part of it comes from, right? But in spite of that, we choose to focus on on the positive. There was a statement you made which resonated so much with me. I think it was in one of your interviews, and you you made the statement that uh, the way you get to winning or the way you get to uh, winning in life sometimes is by failing or getting disappointed, right? And that disappointment that you experience does not mean that it's the end of it, but it's actually a part of that process. And, and one could argue that, well, you know, one could get fixated on the fact that you failed or you got disappointment. And so that's where it all stops, right? But that's actually part of the process. You fall, you get back up again, right? Over and over again until you get to that destination. Do you mind bringing yeah. a little bit of that? Uh, some thoughts on that, uh, Tom?
1: Yes, it, you know, you're, we we have the uh, for for now anyway. We get the the freedom to fail and the freedom to succeed. Yeah. And and you know, I wanted my children to experience failure early in life mm. because then they realize, oh, you can bounce back from this. You know, if you're if you're always protecting yourself or your loved ones from failure or setbacks or struggles, then they don't learn and they don't progress. And so, really, the earlier in life, and I've talked about this with uh, Dr. Crawford a lot, the earlier in life that you experience adversity, uh, the more resilient you become as you get older, and it's actually very healthy. But you also learn whether you break your arm you know, when you're seven years old or you break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is, or you lose a loved one, that the world goes on. And so you learn a very important life skill, which is how do I manage my thought life, which then spills into your emotional life when things are difficult? Because I I may have mentioned this earlier, but I think that there's not a whole lot of virtue in being happy when, you're, when happy circumstances are raining down upon you. The virtue in being happy is when there's some challenges thrown your way or you've experienced defeat and then as a result of that you've grown as a human being and I think winning is very important and succeeding is very important but you usually learn a lot more when you lose and so losing or failing is an important part of succeeding and you become better at it and it also is revealing you you, you talk about and share and influence people with mindset and you've got to experience failure so you 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 know what it feels like and it's actually a good motivator. Like like for somebody else to win something that you wanted to win, that gives a little bit of pain. Yeah. But it's productive pain. Yeah. So maybe that little voice inside your head goes, you know what? I didn't do as many workouts as she did. Or He practiced more, or maybe he's got better natural gifts, so I've got to work harder. I really want it. Look at all that attention that he's getting because he won that. That's like a good thing. I think there's some people that don't like that, but boy, I remember losing something I wanted, baseball related, and I mean, nobody outworked me for the next year because that was something that was important to me. And is that failure is not that bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it was John C. Maxwell who wrote the book uh, Failing Forward, which I think is, um, is, uh, is one of the best books ever written. But, Tommy, one of the practical ways, and this is where we get into the practicality of things, uh, you, you, you made the argument that it is important to start your day and end your day with strength right start the first 15 minutes of your day you know either thinking about something positive in prayer meditation whatever and do so um, when you're about to go to sleep and I've, I've read this there's several uh, schools of thoughts and, and and you know um, authorities that have uh, underscored your point but I must admit that last night was one of those uh, nights when I botched it completely because I spent those last moments watching the debate and I'm oh. going to leave it at that so I, I got myself all worked out before going to sleep but uh, <laughs> You know, that's a a good point because
1: um, if we ever do watch a TV show or a news program or something like that, um, a good thing to do is instead of then trying to go straight to bed is to interrupt Mm. that thought process with something positive. So, you know, go, okay, I just watched this and this, this, this you know, set my mind going in the bad places or whatever. So you, you, you read something positive, you do a devotion, you listen to a positive podcast, you do positive affirmation, you put your earbuds in and you listen to a guided meditation, or you go for, even though it's late, you go do a little exercise routine. But I'm glad you brought that up because some people will only do one thing wrong and that is they will not be intentional with the last fifteen to thirty minutes before they go to sleep. And, and you might have been heading this way, but to me, bookending, the fastest way to get your mindset elevated and upgraded is to be intentional with the when you first wake up. I call it the early morning success ritual. Yep. Sometimes the early morning joy ritual. I'm just focusing on joy, but let's call it the EMSR, your early morning success ritual. And then at night, which leads to a successful morning, mm-hmm. a nighttime success ritual. Yep. The, it, the nighttime can be five minutes or 10 minutes, but the morning is something you do spiritually, something you do mentally or directionally, yep. your goals, your mission, and then something physically or movement oriented. Yep but it's very
0: important. Such a powerful concept. Um, and, and Tommy, as we kind of, you know, bring this home a little bit, they, they may, I try to make this, um, you know, practical for someone who may be watching or, or listening to us and, sure. and saying, oh gosh, I mean, where do I even start, right? All they may have experienced this year is, is just maybe one bad event after the other. There are some who have lost loved ones, which we're not minimizing, but someone, that's some who have lost their jobs. this just, it's just in all this you know the racial and, and political and all of that stuff. They're they're folks who just can't dig themselves out of whatever mess in which they are. How do they, how do they, how do they, where do they go from here? Right? Any any practical lessons or tips for for someone right now, right now who may who may need that?
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and I mean this year we need it more than um, than ever. You know, but but really, uh, you know, this is uh, a tough year. That that's a reasonable way to explain it for a lot of people but we all have to remember that that some people uh, this year is not anywhere near as tough as last year for them in other words because they had some some personal tragedy Mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with COVID or politics or anything like that and it came for them in 2019 and and for years i've said you know that um in reflecting on 9 11 uh, that you know f- th- that is unparalleled, but a lot of people on the individual basis have their own nine eleven you know when they get that that phone call at two a m uh you know from the state troopers yeah. you know in in the town where their child goes yeah. to college yeah and it brings them to their knees. Yeah. And so we all, it's all going on, but this year what makes it different is it's kind of collective. You know, we're kind of all experiencing different aspects of it in one way or another. And so the, to me, the most important thing we can do is, I like to use this word, flood. We flood ourselves, immerse ourselves, we flood ourselves with positive mental nutrition. Mm. Uh, back when computers came about, there was a phrase regarding programming, which was Geigo, mm. which meant garbage in, garbage, garbage, in, garbage out. out. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't understand why the G has to be for garbage because that, that was obviously a pessimist. It could just as easily be good in, yeah. good, out. good out. It means yeah. the same, same thing. So, so now when there's a lot of stressful events or events that frustrate people and so forth, and fear. Fear, there's nothing more um, damaging than fear. I, I mean, I just, I nothing will dissolve a healthy mindset more than fear. And um, fear is the root of all negative emotions. So if we go, okay, I can't control world events, you know, I can't control world events, so what can I control? I can control how much good content. Mm-hmm. I pour into my mind. So, what I read, what I watch, what I listen to, what I surf, and what I converse or talk about. So, in other words, not just waking up in the morning going, huh, what should I turn on? But knowing that tomorrow I'm listening to an audible book on the 4 8 principle, or I'm listening to an audible book on atomic habits, or you pick it but something that is uplifting inspiring encouraging and reminds you of the great plans that god has for you and and you just try to get more in of the good stuff than the bad stuff and then i would say budget your news watching okay because we don't need to be i mean what what if you had a ticker constantly you know in your face all day long that said, every time you had a negative thought or every time you made a mistake or every time you thought an unkind thought or spoke an unkind word, or you had a, a constant ticker reminding you of all the mistakes you've made in your entire lifetime. It would be awful. So I, you know, the sensationalizing of world events, you can't participate in that and maintain a healthy, success-oriented mindset. You just can't do it. But you want to be informed? Good. Be deliberate and have a budget. Like you should have a budget for your money. You should have a budget for what you allow into your mind. Mm -hmm. And so I would think for every hour of news watching, you should at least have two of a good, healthy podcast yeah. or sermon yeah. or yeah. audiobook. book. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then the last piece is, uh, so that's positive mental nutrition. Make your mornings ultra positive, yeah. even if you're a negative person. Make your mornings positive. Make your nighttime positive. And then if you need to be negative, be negative at lunchtime. <laughs> if you got to get it out of your system, because the worst time to do it is kicking off your day with negativity
0: or closing your day with negativity. Yeah, yeah. I think Ephesians 4 that says, Make sure you don't go to sleep, right? While angry. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, and you know why I think that is? Because I think it solidifies overnight. Yep. And it gets cemented.
0: Yep. Into the subconscious. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, that's, so it's, we don't need to be perfect. I like to say focus on progress, forget about perfection, but we need to be aware enough of our thought life to know, you know what? I've overconsumed the news today, or um, I've dwelled too much on, that spat i had with my wife or whatever the circumstances are and move on and but if you pre-decided about how much time you're going to put good stuff in it's more likely
0: to happen wow wow what powerful words tommy thank you so much for for sharing i think these are you know Uh, while they can be applicable to any season or any challenge that we're going through, I think especially now, all of us, we need to hear, this is something we need to hear daily, right, so if you're, to Tommy's point, if you're, you know, negative person. Try to, I like that E-M-S-R routine, right? Early morning success ritual. Because how you start your day determines how the day goes, right? If you start on a bad note, it follows you through. So I I couldn't agree with that more, Tommy. I think these are powerful. And if you're listening, check out Tommy's book, The 4A Principle. Tommy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing these thoughts with us. Um, And for you who are watching, I'd like to end again on this note. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is anything, if there's any excellence or is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Again, this is Philippians 4 eight from the English Standard uh, Version. Tommy, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you today.
1: Thank you, Fred. Thanks for having me.